So now that we've opened the door to consider the varieties of Christianity that existed before Orthodoxy, we call this the Proto-Orthodox period, before certain men seized and imposed their particular brand of Christianity on everyone, we want to take a look at what they taught for ourselves. Max and I did a cool podcast earlier this week that addressed this, and you can check this out if you'd like by going to my website, seangarin.com, and checking our YouTube channel, or just looking at this uh, podcast here. It's called Behind the Pulpit. And we discussed questions around why did Jesus come? What was his mission? What was his salvific act of redemption? And how are we to live in light of this? Many of us have been taught that Jesus came to die because he was so upset with us, so disgusted with our behavior, that God somehow needed to punish us and kill someone to appease that anger. It really does give off that vibe of the angry dad who punches a hole through the wall to let off steam. And while we often state that as lovingly as we can, it's something that Valentinus, the founder of this Christian school of thought, addresses in his study on the Gospel of Truth, this book discovered in 1945 at Nag Hammadi, Egypt, that traces back to the second century. We learned last week that Valentinus saw humanity's fall from grace not as a type of original sin, but rather it's from a forgetfulness. Valentinus, who was taught by Theodos and Theodos taught by the Apostle Paul, would have come to see this in a sort of dualistic way. Just as there is light, there is darkness. He would give the case that we aren't the children of Satan, rather we are the children of God. Children of the light. But because of ignorance and error, we have acquired a darkness that covers our light. And this gives us a sort of distorted sense of who we are, who we truly are, setting the stage for why there's evil in the world. Error and ignorance are the antagonist in this interpretation, not a red-tailed demon who haunts our left shoulder. It is in not knowing the truth that we, perfect children of the light, suffer a kind of spiritual deficiency. Jesus would often say that we don't have the eyes to perceive and ears to understand. And so humanity is seen as needing someone to come help them, to remove the blinders, and lead us to the truth that the Gospel of John so beautifully states when we read in chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, the truth. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, that is the truth, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, John was still under the cloud of the law, the cloud of darkness of the law, and we'll learn more about that in a bit. But he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. The gospel of truth is going to provide an exegesis for us, a 
commentary to help us make sense of John. Here is a reading from the Gospel of Truth, and you'll notice how much it resembles John. It says, This is the gospel of him whom they seek, which he has revealed to the perfect through the mercies of the Father as the hidden mystery, Jesus the Anointed. Through him he enlightened those who were in darkness because of forgetfulness. He enlightened them and gave them a path, and that path is the truth that he taught them. For this reason, error was angry at him. Error persecuted him. Error was distressed by him and was made powerless. He was nailed to a tree, and he became a fruit of the knowledge of the Father. He did not, however, destroy them because they ate of it. He rather caused those who ate of it to be joyful because of this discovery. We sometimes wonder in the scriptures and see it today why some people have a bad feeling towards religion. Jesus himself didn't like what religion had become, and you'll see in the Gospels, Jesus gets into heated debates with religious leaders, those who wanted to control the systems of belief around God. Here's one of those exchanges, and you can find it in Luke chapter 11, verses 45 through 46. One of the religion scholars spoke up. Teacher, do you realize that in saying these things, you're insulting us? He said, yeah, and I could be even more explicit. You're hopeless, you religion scholars. You load people down with rules and regulations, nearly breaking their backs, but never lift even a finger to help. Ironically, it had become religious institutions who were the ones teaching in error keeping people ignorant of the divine light that already existed in them. With guilt and shame as their weapons, religion had become the way people came to understand God. But teaching falsely that God is a judge, one who is mad at everyone, one who had created a place of eternal torment for his own children. Does that sound good to you? (laughs) Jesus wanted to do away with this kind of thinking. Valentinus would teach in the same way. Ignorance and error, this dark understanding of God, is what was wrong with the world. It had led them astray and divided people. What's divided people more than anything? Religion. Jesus actually comes to save us not from our sins. Here's the plot twist of the century, maybe the plot twist of all time. Jesus comes to save us from the ignorance and error taught by religious institutions. So the gospel of truth continues. Here's what Valentinus wrote. Jesus became a guide, quiet and at leisure. In the middle of a school, he came and spoke the word. As a teacher, those who were wise in their own estimation came to put him to the test. But he discredited them as empty-headed people. They hated him because they really were not wise. After all these came also the little children, those who possessed the knowledge of the Father. When they became strong, they were taught the aspects of the Father's face. They came to know and they were known. They were glorified and they gave glory. See, Jesus actually leads people away from religion. Listen to Paul say exactly what he learned from Jesus' teaching and what Valentinus was also getting at here. 
Here it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4-11, through 11, where Paul writes, Such is the confidence that we have through Jesus Christ toward God. Not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of letter, meaning the law, not by the letter of the law, but rather of the Spirit. Because the letter, the law, kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death, that's what Paul called the when, called it when you followed the law, the ministry of death, imagine that was the name of your ministry. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, now if the ministry of death, chiseled in letters on stone tablets came in glory so that the people of Israel could not gaze at Moses' face because of the glory of his face, a glory now set aside, this kind of glory where only the priest or prophet gets to talk to God. Paul's saying that this is a glory. You know, it was for a time period, I guess. (laughs) But that glory is now set aside. So how much more will the ministry of the Spirit, which is for everybody, come in glory. For if there was a ministry of condemnation, and that's what the law was, it was, don't do this, don't do that, and you're a bad person. Paul says, for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation that came from the ministry of death, how much more does the ministry of justification that offers grace abound in glory? Indeed, what once had glory has now lost its glory because of the greater glory. For if what was set aside came through glory, if there was any truth in it, well, much more has the permanent glory now come. So you see, the law itself was written through the fog of human error and ignorance. It was a poor understanding of God. It was a lesser form. You know, the people back then were were more primitive. So they viewed the world so differently. Religion's kind of an evolution process. And to hold on to the past keeps you stuck in a primitive state. So Jesus comes to evolve us, to take us further. See, the law only gave us a shadow of who God really is. It pointed out that the world had a type of brokenness, and so it made rules to keep people in line, which ended up, you know, when you hold on to it, it ends up being a form of bondage. But Paul and Valentinus are teaching us that the real God was not expressed in the law. The real God is pure love, pure joy, and pure goodness for all God's children. Black, white, brown, Asian, goth, jock, men, women, and everything in between. God is boundless and needs no condition to love you. This is what the law had gotten wrong. I mean, imagine, imagine, oh, in order to love my kid, I got to check this this list of things and make sure they, they you know, follow by them. <laughs> that's not how parent, that's not how uh, this whole parenting thing works. Jesus Christ came as a brown man, as a poor man, as the son of a single mother from the working class to change this 
idea to set captives free from the yoke of the law. And what was the key to unlock those chains, that yoke of slavery? Is it a blood sacrifice? Atonement on the cross? I don't know any parent who requires such things. Do we need more rules and regulations? You know, there is the possibility that the church fathers misinterpreted this all or adopted the old religion, the old covenant, because it was so fresh and so new. The truth is, God doesn't need blood atonement. God doesn't need more rules and regulations to keep us in line. I mean, has that ever even worked? God never needed such things for his beautiful children of light. What we needed, all we needed, was knowledge. That's what gnosis means. All we needed was the truth. And Jesus brought us the truth. He brought us actual good news. That God can be found in you. You just need to look. Humanity had gotten so wrapped up that they only thought God could be found in temples. And some of us still think like this today. Like, oh, God is only in the temple. My barber one time was cutting my hair and said to me, uh, what do you do? And I told him I was a pastor. And he said, oh, I, yeah, if I came to church, I, you know, with all my past, I'd set it on fire. You see that kind of thinking? That keeps people away from God. But Jesus brought us to the truth that God is not wrapped up in temples. God is not bound to idols, rituals, and traditions. See, all this taught people that God could be found somewhere else. So they forgot where God, where the divine truly resided. Inside of the human mind. When you pray, where are you praying? In your mind. When you have that transcendent experience, it sends chills not into the building, but into you, through your heart, through your mind. You see, this is the real meaning of the word Gnostic. It means knowing. Carl Jung was once interviewed on television, and he himself was considered a Gnostic. A doctor of the mind, a scientist who worked at the Bergolzi, the leading psychiatric center of his time, I think it's still today, and founder of depth psychology, when asked in that interview if he believed in God, this is what he said. Hmm. He smiled. <laughs> he said, I don't know how to answer that. And he looked up, told the interviewer, I don't believe. I know. The gospel of truth explains not some mysterious and strange teaching. Rather, it explains that error and ignorance will do their very best to keep us from the truth. It will reduce God into silly myths and fables, into Sunday school rhymes and systematic formulas that are enforced by what? By guilt and shame. Today, people are so tired of guilt of that guilt and shame. Don't we already have enough on our plates? The people of Jesus' day were tired of it all too. If you study church history, you'll see that Christianity went from being a breath of fresh air from the law 
to an institution that caused us to repress our natural instincts. They drew lines around our freedoms. And instead of being honest, we, came be we became ashamed of those things that make us human. We had to confess our transgressions to sinful men who made us feel guilty about our sexuality, sensuality, joy, delight, happiness, and natural curiosities. A fence had been drawn around these things. Jesus said, do you know Jesus said this? I've come that you may have life and have it to the half. Have it to uh, a little bit. No, he said, have it to the full. And he came to set the captives free. The truth is, religion has always been about control. And control can make you feel safe and secure, but it takes away one of the most important fruits of the Spirit, self-control. God doesn't want you to be a robot, nor does God want you to be out of control. God wants you to master yourself by practicing self-control not impose control. To do so, you need one thing. Knowledge. Knowledge of who you truly are. Do you know who and what you really are? You are not just a sinner saved by grace. You always had grace. And I know people are like, oh, Sean, are you just saying that to sound nice? Where's that in the Bible? Well, here it is. Here it is, right here in the Bible, before John 3.16. It's found in John 1.16. This might even be, this should be a more popular passage. Because listen to this. It says here, out of his fullness, we have all received grace. Right? We've got the grace in place of grace already given you. You already had the grace. You just forgot. Why did you forget? Because of the law. Because of religion. They told you you didn't have it. So Jesus comes to remind us. To remind us that we're from the light. From a father and mother. And I always say mother because the spirit in Hebrew, Ruach, HaKadosh, it's feminine. And the guys who wrote the Bible, they changed it from she to he. So I always call God the father and mother. That's, that covers all of the inclusivity we need and resolves that issue of, you know, is God male or female? Where did we come from? A mother and a father. So we're made in the image of God, and so I just assume that maybe God is a father and maybe the spirit, which is the Hebrew. Every time Jesus said spirit in Hebrew, he's saying mom. And the father and the mother, they reside in our very spirit for what we truly are, our spirits. Once we remove the mud that darkens and clouds our minds, these rules and regulations, these man-made beliefs that Jesus himself called out, saying to those religion legalists in Mark chapter 7, verse 8, he said, you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. And what is God's true law? Are you ready for this? You might this is if 
If you're not ready for this, you might want to skip this part. But if you're ready, this is the secret teaching. Sometimes the Gnostics get attributed with having a secret teaching. You know, just like a second grade might be a secret teaching for the first grade. Or just like my plumber has a secret teaching of the pipes in our house. It's just that you had to go to school. You had to get ready for it, you know? This is the secret teaching, I'm going to tell you. And I hated and loved learning this myself. But when I finally was able to see, when I finally was able to hear, I found it in a prophecy written by one of my favorite prophets, Jeremiah. Jeremiah didn't like religion too much either. If you like religion, I know this is kind of mean to say, but you'll always be stuck in kindergarten. We all have to grow up. And growing up requires us to move out of religion and into an almost kind of self-religion. And I know that might sound blasphemous, but remind, I want to remind you that that's what Jesus was accused of. That's why they hung him on a cross, because they said he was being blasphemous. They didn't persecute or kill Mr. Rogers. Oh, look at the nice guy who he never says anything mean and, and is always kind and gentle. I, I spoke before. Jesus insulted religion because it's a good first step. But if you enforce that as the only step there could ever be, it then becomes a barrier, an obstacle. And Jeremiah didn't like religion. And he had made the priest so upset with him by his preaching, this preaching of freedom, and you're going to hear what he's going to say, that they locked him up, just like Jesus. This is what he preached this is what that religion of error and ignorance doesn't want us to hear. They don't want us to hear it because when we do, religion will lose all of its control and lead you to self-control. Hear the word of the Lord from uh, the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah. You can find it in Jeremiah, the Old Testament. Chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. It says, that's right. The time is coming when I will make a brand new covenant with Israel. It won't be a repeat of the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took their hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, even though I did my part as their master, saith the Lord. This is the brand new covenant that I will make with Israel when the time comes. Listen. I will put my law within them. Write it on their hearts. No longer on the tablets of stone. I'm going to write it on their hearts, God says. And I'm going to be their God. And they will be my people. They will no longer go around setting up schools to teach each other about God. They'll know me firsthand the dull and the bright, the smart and the slow. I'll wipe the slate clean for each of them, and I'll forget they ever sinned, saith the Lord. This, this is the good news of Jesus Christ.
Let those who have ears 